Well, my brothers and sisters, of course, it's a very exhausting way of appropriating and appreciating the gospel. And I think it's kind of, it's meant to be that way because, of course, it was exhausting for Jesus and it was the, the suffering that he underwent on that, that Good Friday. You know, we, we get a little bit of taste of that by going through that very, very long reading. It really brings us there. And so this Palm Sunday, we enter into the holiest week of the year, and we have on Palm Sunday uh, a little sneak preview, kind of an overview of the whole week, okay? When we hear of the Last Supper and our Lord's arrests and his trial and then his uh, crucifixion on Good Friday. And then for the rest of Holy Week, we take that entire scenario and we unpack it piece by piece by piece throughout the course of this upcoming week. And so I'd like to kind of just give a little bit of an overview of the liturgies that we're going to be celebrating over Holy Week. First of all, we have Palm Sunday today. Why why the palms? What's the, the deal with the palms? Well, here we are. We're welcoming the king of Israel, who is the king of peace. He comes on a donkey. A donkey is a symbol of peace. Okay, if Christ rode into Jerusalem on a war horse, that would mean that he was a man of war. But instead, he comes on a donkey, okay, which is what kings would ride in times of peace. And so it's a symbol, it's a symbol that Jesus is the king of peace. The Jerusalem he comes into is a shadow or a symbol of the heavenly Jerusalem. Jesus will enter triumphantly into the heavenly Jerusalem, really on Ascension Thursday. But he's got to go through his passion, first and foremost. And the Jerusalem that he enters into on Palm Sunday is just a shadow of that heavenly Jerusalem. And unlike the heavenly Jerusalem, this Jerusalem rejects him and crucifies him. Notice the interesting switch of mood. It's very dramatic in Palm Sunday. We we start off all happy and exultant, and then suddenly we get this passage from Isaiah, prophetically talking about the sufferings of Christ. We hear the whole passion. It's very somber. So we switch. It's almost like we're bipolar or something. You know, we're up in the heavens, and then suddenly, boom, we're down on the earth. And we're in the midst of Christ's darkness and his passion. So it's a very, very dramatic liturgy that we celebrate today. Why the covers? We notice one of the most obvious things here is all the statues and the crosses are covered up. Why is that? What's the significance? Well, there's a lot to it. But one of the issues here is it's a little bit of reverse psychology, okay? So, ironically, covering something up really sort of draws our attention to it. You kind of want to say, hey, what's, what's going on? What's with that thing? What's under there? You know? That's, that's what happens, okay, in our minds. And so the idea is that our attention and our focus is being drawn to the cross. And this is leading up to Good Friday, because on Good Friday, we're going to see, we're going to have the unveiling of the cross. Okay, so I hope you're able to attend the Good Friday service, and what you'll see is we'll, we'll chant something three times, and after every chant, the, a part of the veil of the cross is pulled off. And then the second chant, and then there's a little, another veil. And then after the third, the veil is completely removed. And uh, the cross is revealed. The cross, which is the instrument 
of our salvation. The cross on which our Savior suffered is the instrument of our salvation, so it's revealed. So the coverings are kind of a, it's a means of uh, intensifying the suspense of Good Friday. Right? So we're, we're heading towards Good Friday. But before then, we have Holy Thursday. Okay? And one of the first things you'll notice when you come in to the Holy Thursday Mass, which will be celebrated in the evening this Thursday here at St. John's, is that the tabernacle lamp will be extinguished, and the tabernacle will be opened, and there will be no Eucharist there. And one of the sayings of our Lord's, which is very uh, foundational for Holy Thursday and Good Friday, is it goes like this. Pharisees come up to him and they say, Hey, you know, the disciples of the Pharisees, they're doing all this fasting and all this penance. You know, the disciples of John the Baptist, they're doing all this fasting and all this penance. But your guys, it's like you guys are party guys. You're, you're eating and drinking like a bunch of gluttons all the time. What's going on here? You don't do any penance? You don't do any fasting? And Jesus' response is very, very important. He says, How can the friends of the bridegroom fast when the bridegroom is with them? But there will come a day when the bridegroom is taken away, and then they will fast. Okay? And so that's Holy Thursday and Good Friday. The bridegroom is taken away. And that's why we fast on Good Friday. We abstain from flesh meat. And uh, the Lord is gone, so to speak. Okay? So that's how Holy Thursday begins. Another absence from Holy Thursday is you'll stick your hand in the holy water font and you won't find any holy water. Okay, the holy water is another representation of Christ. It's t- been taken away. Okay. Also, we've been experiencing a kind of absence all throughout Lent. An absence of the Gloria and an absence of the Alleluia. Okay. I'm, I'm an Alleluia cop. If anybody says Alleluia during Lent, I get after them. Okay, it's illegal. You can't say hallelujah all during Latin. All right? It's been outlawed. But Holy Thursday, something interesting happens. Because right in the beginning, there's a little sneak preview of the full restoration of the hallelujah, which will take place at the vigil. Okay, so just in the beginning of Holy Thursday, there's a, there's a kind of an elaborate singing of the Gloria and the hallelujah, And you'll hear a lot of bells. And then suddenly, boom, it comes to an end. It's like a little advertisement. A sneak preview of the vigil. When these elements of rejoicing and joy are fully restored at the resurrection of Christ. And after that final Gloria and Alleluia and the bells, you'll hear no more bells or anything else. And in fact, during the consecration of Holy Thursday, instead of the joyful sound of bells, you'll hear the ominous sound of the clackers. Okay, so we'll have the servers with these wooden devices. Click, 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 click. And it's very kind of... Disturbing and ominous. It's meant to evoke in our minds the sound of the nails going through the cross. Okay? And uh, then we've got the washing of the feet on Holy Thursday. And we've got the transfer, uh, the, the transference of the Eucharist to the side altar. Okay? And we have a time after Mass of Adoration. The idea there, and I encourage us to stay, even if you can't be very long, you know, if you go from, say, 8.30 to 9, that's fine. Okay, I'm going to go to midnight. We've got people stationed and signed up. We'll, we'll be there till midnight. Stay as long as you can. Okay, come whenever you can. Leave whenever you want. But spend some time with our Lord in the tabernacle of repose. 
Because what we're doing there is we're saying, okay, Lord, we know that everybody abandoned you on Holy Thursday. All your disciples fled the Garden of Gethsemane, and they left you all alone. And you were in prison, and you suffered all night long alone in the darkness of the prison cell. But here we are. We're going to spend time with you in your passion and in your suffering. You loved us so much, and we're going to give a little sacrifice as a token of our love back to you. We're going to be with you in your passion, and we're going to relieve a little bit of your suffering. We're going to give you a little bit of consolation for everything that you did for us. So that's the idea of the Holy Thursday. And then finally, we've got Good Friday. I've spoken about that. We've got the unveiling of the cross. And we have the veneration of the cross as well. It's a very beautiful ceremony. We all come forward and we kiss the cross. And at that time, you'll hear a very important hymn, a very traditional important hymn called The Reproaches. And John and Nancy are practicing, and Larry and, and uh, St. Michael's and Lyons is going to be doing the same thing. You'll hear The Reproaches. It's, it's Good Friday. is worth coming just to hear this song. It's so beautiful. And then finally... The Lord has been crucified, he has died, and he's in the tomb, and Holy Saturday comes, and it's the Sabbath. And there is a rest like there has never been a rest before. The king of creation is resting in the tomb, and his body is being preserved for his resurrection, which takes place at the Easter Vigil. So at the Easter Vigil, all the things that have been taken away are restored. The light comes back through the holy fire. Okay, and the Paschal Candle, and Deacon will sing the Exalted, one of the most beautiful liturgical hymns ever composed. And then, in the beginning, you'll hear all of these bells and the Gloria, and we sing the Alleluia like 70 times. And then, we have our catechumen, who will be baptized. And before the baptism takes place, the water in the font is blessed, and then that water becomes the source of all the waters for all the holy water fonts for the rest of the year. Okay, and it's the waters of Christ's resurrection that impart the grace of eternal life to our catechumen. That will take place. And then finally, the Eucharist is restored. There's so much more to these liturgies. I just gave you a little bit of overview. Please come, avail yourself of them. They're mystical. There are there's so much to them. You could live your whole life and continue to kind of go deeper and and continue to unpack all the meaning of the symbolism and the scriptures and the things that we do. And we say this holiest week of the year as we celebrate our Lord's passion and his resurrection on Easter Sunday.